0: Anyway, so this morning, uh, the song that we're going to look at is the one that we just sang uh, at the end of of worship called How Many Kings. It's a song that uh, Walt has brought, they've sang uh, in years past. And so I want to look at the theme of the song. But before I get to the theme, we just sang it. Uh, I want to read the story of the kings. Because if we're singing about the kings, we should probably know what the story is. So or the wise men or magi, whatever words you want to use. Matthew chapter two is where this starts. It says After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who's been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it arose and when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him, when he Then they opened their treasures, presented them with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country in another route. Later on in this, it says Herod gets upset. I don't have this verse up here because the, the Magi don't come back to him. And he has all the children two years and under killed. So the perspective that I wanted to bring about first is that oftentimes this over here is the presentation we have for the Magi. That while we're in this scene, these dudes show up. That's not necessarily what scripture says. In the song we sang, I mean, it kind of gives the implication that the Magi are arriving at this manger scene with Jesus Christ. Well, scripturally, it doesn't look like that's what took place. Because these Magi, they were from the east and they heard about Jesus' birth, right? When the star arose and then they had a travel. Now, they couldn't hop on a plane or get on a subway to go to, to Bethlehem to see the child that was born, the one that was born. They had to travel on foot this, this long distance. How long did it take? Probably from Scripture, just because Herod had kids two years and under killed. I'm guessing this is about two years later when they show up at the house where Mary and Joseph are. Scripturally, say, it says they showed up at a house. Not a manger, so that, that piece of it too. So, so this is all just kind of that, that piece of correction. Sometimes we sing things, sometimes we put these cool displays up, they look great, but that's not exactly what scripture presents. And so it's important for us to wrestle through what the word says and what we understand and see maybe where, yeah, I get it, they're showing up to bring gifts to the child that was born. It just didn't take place like with the camels and the donkeys and whatever else that were around. Um, so that was my, my correction point, but, but really, I don't want to linger on that. What I want to do is focus on what I would say is, is the theme, sorry, of this song. And in this song, uh, it it starts off and it says, um, how many, well, it doesn't start off, but the line says, how many Kings would step down from their throne? And, um, the story of Jesus Christ, the story that, 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 that we're looking at, the, the understanding of who God is in and, and the revelation of Jesus Christ is completely unique because of that truth. It's completely unique because of, of the revelation of, of God through Jesus Christ that a king stepped down from his throne and he came to this earth. The plan of God that he had started in creation, before creation, being revealed through Jesus Christ, required the humility of Jesus Christ. The salvation of man, our salvation, the the deliverance from sin that we have, was accomplished completely through the humility of Jesus Christ. The fact that he was willing to step down from his throne. I'm going to talk about the humility of Christ today. Look at what it says in John. We all know this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. God didn't send his son into this world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. See, God's love, right, was what brought about the revelation of Jesus Christ. For God so loved. That's what I remember when I was young, Levi, your age, maybe a little bit younger, maybe a little bit older, right around there, trying to figure out what love is. You know, in high school, we think love is something, and it's not that. Uh, trying to wrestle through what love truly is. In, in in my wise Levi age, I came to the revelation that love is considering someone greater than myself. Like, that really is what love is. Like, that for me, like, when it comes to relationships or when it came to whatever, love was considering their needs before I considered mine. The love of God is the revelation of his humility, that he considered us greater than himself. That's what he did when he sent his son, Jesus Christ, into this world. In Sunday school, we read John chapter 1 today. We've been reading the different gospel accounts of what I say are the nativity stories, and I believe there's a nativity story in John chapter 1, a Christmas story in John chapter 1. It doesn't have mangers and it doesn't have magi, but it's got the revelation of Jesus Christ coming to this earth. That, that that chapter it says in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Verse 14 says, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. What is this telling me? In the beginning was the the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus was with God in the beginning. He was fully God. He was there in creation. I love thinking about this. We talked in Sunday school a little bit. Genesis chapter 1, God speaking creation. The word of God coming forth from, from the Father was what created. It was the creative nature of God. He spoke everything that is into existence. Jesus was with God. Jesus was God in the beginning. And it came to a point where where God saw the, the fallenness or the fulfillment, the time for the fulfillment of his plan. And he said, the son must go. He must lay down that throne. He must step down from the throne that he's on and make himself come into this world. And how did Jesus come? He came in flesh. He came as a man. I've never been a god, but I'm guessing I fall pretty short. You know what I mean? Like, don't 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 shake your head so much, Kyla. Seriously, tough on the ego right there. Like, I get an amen from a kid first, and it's just when I say I'm not quite God, you know, like amen, Pastor. No. Um, how many gods? stripped away at all because of their love for man. Man who wasn't enough. Man who was below them. Man who was to serve them. No, the story is that God said, I need man. I want man. I want relationship with man. I want man to love me. And they can't get through this without this, this, this revelation of Jesus Christ, the glory of God that came when the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. Philippians chapter 2, I believe, just summarizes this song. I get it. Verse 5, it says, in your relationships with one another, this is an instruction from Paul to the church in Philippi, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Listen to verse 6. Sounds like what we sang. Who being the very nature of God. Did not consider equality with God. Something to be used for his own advantage. Rather. He made himself. Nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself. By becoming obedient to death. Even death on a cross. How many kings are dying for their kingdom? The revelation of, of the humility of God, this understanding of, of how we're to live. God didn't consider himself to be equal with God when he came to this earth. Jesus didn't say, I'm, I'm one with the Father and, 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 and I can do all these crazy things. He, he took on this, he stripped himself of that. He made himself nothing and became obedient even to death on a cross. Several times in Scripture we read this phrase, My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. That's what Jesus did. His humility, his, his understanding was he laid down his life 1 John chapter 3, verse 16 says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ, he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. John chapter 10, Jesus talking, I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep. That are not of the sheep pen, and I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I receive from my Father. Think of that. Jesus saying, I have the authority. And my choice, the choice that I've made, yeah, it's the will of the Father, but my authority is I can lay down my life or I can pick it up. I'm laying down my life so that people might know me. I'm laying down my life so that people might understand the love of my Father. God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I mean, that's the humility of God. That's what he wants us to do. This whole story, this whole Christmas story is all about humility. So Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth to Galilee and Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave her firstborn, a son. This will be a sign to you that you'll find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Think about the story of Christ. Everything about this story is humility. Where did it start? With a virgin girl who wasn't married. Like, okay, so I, I can just see God coming up with this plan. I say the, mad, the this, how many kings is a chosen moment for the Magi? I think for me, like, this is a chosen moment for me, God deciding the story. So let's do this. Let's find the most unlikely person. Hey, there's Mary over there. She's not married. And socially, like, she can get killed for this. So let's go ahead and put a baby inside of her. Why? And, and for the presentation of Jesus, like this whole delivery scene, I tell you what. Let's have her husband make her travel probably 90 to 100 miles, nine months pregnant. Come on. Ladies. Who was joyful at nine months? Come on, it's a pretty scene, right? And we get... To where we're going. And Joseph forgot to get the price line reservation hooked up for us. And none of his family will let us come stay with him. So we find ourselves in a manger. Like where we, we, we shelter animals. Oh, this is a pretty scene. We have a child in the manger. We wrap him in clothes because there's so much dirt and dust around. Like, seriously, like. And who comes to see him? We talked about the kings. That's a cool story. Yeah, that sounds about right. Kings are coming to see him. No, who comes? Mike and Greg show up. What? I mean, the shepherds in their culture, they were like. The low point. It was best just to keep them out in the flocks. That's why they were out there. They didn't want them in town. Like they just weren't, they weren't, they weren't high on the social economic stature. And the first people that come to see Jesus Christ was who? The shepherds? Like, why is, is this story clothed in a story that makes no sense? It's so foolish. It's so humble. Because everything about Jesus Christ is the revelation of his humility. It's the revelation of the love of God that is clothed in the humility of Christ. He did that all for me. The fun part that Tim sings that everybody else says, uh, yeah, go ahead. All for me. All for you. Like, that's the Why? Why did he choose to do all this? Why did he come? Why did he step down? Why did he did he come into this earth? Why did he choose to die a death on a cross? Why did he let people humiliate him? Why did he let people speak down to him? For me. For you. He knew that, that this was the way in which we would understand, look, his whole purpose in coming, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. That's why he came. That was the whole point in him coming was to reveal his humility. I mean, really, this is what was spoken about. Isaiah 51. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? This is the prophecy. Now, they missed this when they were studying. I say sometimes, we were talking in Sunday school just about our understanding of God. Again, they had studied this, those who were ready for the the Messiah to come. They all missed him because they overlooked this part. (laughs) They were looking for the king that was coming on a horse that was going to like tear down all the kings, the emperors, whatever else, and they weren't expecting this little turd in a manger. I just called Jesus a turd in the manger, I repent for that. Someone pray for me today. Wow. Can we delete that from the video? Who's believed our message and whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. Listen to how it describes Jesus, the one that's coming. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces. What? He was despised and was held and we held him in low esteem. That's the the prophecy about Jesus? He's like the dude that everybody turns away from when he comes in the room because they don't want to talk to him? Why? The revelation of the humility of Christ. Jesus Christ, can you bring the kids in? You guys can come on in. I think they're coming. Can you get that thing I talked about? Jesus, at the end of his ministry, Justin, come here. He said, I I want you to know, I need you to sit right here. Take your shoes off. I didn't want water in that. Is that cold water? Okay. I don't want cold water. Okay. Okay. I won't want cold water on my feet. What did Jesus do with his disciples? He had this meal. He's talking about, hey, this whole plan is coming. This is the last time I'm going to eat with you. You might not understand all this. You might not know what's going on. And they're coming to the table. And I love this picture. I believe it's in the book of John where it comes. When they came to the table, take your socks off because you don't want to get them wet. Fair enough. They all came into the room, and they knew that before they could eat, that someone had to wash their feet. Now, boys, feet, did you take a shower this morning? Oh, uh, last night. Oh, uh-huh. None of them wanted to do the job. I mean, there's this moment at the table where they're all looking at each other, like wondering who's going to step up. And Jesus Christ says, I came to serve and not be served. And if there was one person at that table, he was the host. He was the one who they were coming to talk to. He was the one that they were there to see who shouldn't be getting up in that moment. If there was one who should just stay there and wait for someone to come wash his feet, it was Jesus. He knew what was coming. He knew the agony that's coming in the garden. I mean, he's going to sweat. He's crying about the will of the Father wrestling with the death. Like at any point in time, now's the time to let someone wash his feet, like put little things in between his toes, make him get his toenails looking nice and, and rub. I mean, he, he deserved it in that moment. He said, I came to serve. And he took off his outer cloak and he says he picked up the towel. And I'm guessing everybody else in the room is looking like, oh my. And he said, No, I came, I came to serve. And he said, I want you to do likewise. So it doesn't matter who you are, sometimes we have to emulate the humility of Christ. That's what this whole process is. Scripture says what? If you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you'll be saved. Man, to call someone Lord, that's humility. Because what am I saying when I say Jesus Christ is Lord? It's not just another title. He's the one with sole authority. His way is my way. What he says I must do, that's humility. Humility. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I've been crucified with Him. And so at that table, Justin, i will wash your feet this morning. I want you to know this is a big step for me. I won't even touch my wife's feet. But Jesus said we're supposed to do this. He said go and do likewise. And we do this not because uh, of demonstration, we do this not because of uh, 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 of acclamation, we do this in humility, because this is what the body of Christ is. This is who the body of Christ is it doesn't matter if i'm the pastor it doesn't matter if you're a young guy i'm called to serve man you got lint in those toes, dude. Oof. Lift that foot up. Sure. i got to get in there. <laughs> One, Justin, I do this because you're worthy. Yeah. I do this because you're a child of God and that the Father loves you. I did this because I want you to know the fullness of his love. And I want you to live in the way he created you to live. You can sit down. Thank you. How many kings would step down from their thrones? You know the baptism thing that we're about to do? It's foolishness in the world. It's like, what are we doing in baptism? We're identifying with the death and resurrection of Christ. We're saying, I no longer live, but but Christ lives within me. Those verses that I I read from Philippians chapter 2, that I said they were, I almost put that on my face. Man, that's bad. Get that towel away from me. I'll wipe my face with it all day long. Woo! The why. The what? The humility of Christ, he died for us. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth. and every tongue, acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the Father. You see, that's what baptism truly is. It's, a, it's, a, it's our response Acts chapter 2, I believe it's verse 38, Peter tells them that we're to repent and be baptized. When we acknowledge Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, he asks us to identify with him in this moment. Now for us, baptism isn't a sacrament, it's not the means of God's grace, it's an outward evidence of what God has done inwardly in us. It's us declaring publicly that we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's us acknowledging to others that we profess that Jesus Christ is absolutely the Lord of our lives. And I will tell you, I get it. It's a little uncomfortable to stand before people you love, it's a little awkward to get in the bathtub with your pastor. all for me, all for you. Jesus Christ demonstrated his humility to us. I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ. I want my life to be a reflection of the humility of Christ. That's what baptism is an opportunity for us to do, to declare outwardly that Jesus Christ is Lord, that we're submitted to him, that no matter what he asks us, no matter how he asks us, we're willing to do what he's asked us to do, to be who God has called us to be. I'm going to ask Tam... Uh, Because there's going to be a little bit of of preparation here. If she can sing the song again, how many kings? You're welcome. Um, I love my wife. And while she's singing that, we're going to get a few things ready for the baptism. So if you're being baptized, um, you can work your way maybe up toward the front somewhere. If you're helping with the baptisms, you can work your way up this way as well.
1: A child in a manger. Slowly and small, the weakest of all, unlikeliest to wrapped in his mother's shawl, just a child, Is too we've waited for. Cause how many kings stepped down from their Down.